Friends and happy Friday, Sam Marjofsky here, your host of the What's Right Show, Nevada's favorite recovering ex-Californian. Yes, happy to be here with you today. Um, I look, I know it's it's a national story. I think it has relevance here in Las Vegas, big time. A case of a mother who is on trial. You've probably heard about this case in Oxford, Michigan. In 20, uh, let's see, 21, 2021, her son went on a killing spree, killed four students at his high school. Now, I, it's a little complicated here. I never name these school shooters, right? I don't, don't do that. So we're just going to refer to her as mom, all right? Well, if I name her, then... God, naming his name, I'm, I'm just, I don't do it. I avoid it as, as much as I possibly can. So anyway, mom, mom is on trial. And I think as a general rule, I think this is, um, is, is an excellent, uh, it's very important for parents to be held responsible for what, what their kids do, particularly, and I'm astounded by this time and time again, when it comes to these school shooting cases, These kids are living at home. They're in their parents' house. They're accumulating weaponry. They're buying, you know, in in some cases, very expensive materials. And the parents are indulging it. The parents are are allowing their 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 child to to do it. It's it's I I I think look, I think it's it's just every time one of these things happens and the kid's driving a brand new pickup truck and he's he's ordering thousands of dollars of you know both guns and accessories to weapons and magazines and some of it's arriving in the mail and it's showing up on the front doorstep i mean if i had been trying to do something like this as a kid or if now my kids my 16 year old suddenly was accumulating weaponry i mean we go into his room. We we go through his stuff. We we you know are aware of what's coming in and out of the house, and so you know I've I've looked at these parents. I think there is just a thing out there now that there are parents that are absolutely checked out, and parents need to be parents again. Parents need to be authority figures in their kids' lives. Parents need to learn this beautiful two-letter word that I like to call no. You can you can do it. And all of you know this. Each and every one of you that has kids now, has raised children, knows that your role as the as the as the parent, as the father, as the mother, is to uh put in you know guardrails for your kid. Kids need rules. And so the, there's there's you know, I, I again the, and by the way, she's being charged, let's see here, she's uh all right, she's being charged with uh, Robbie. What are the charges? It's like a manslaughter. Yeah, involuntary uh, manslaughter. Okay, four counts of involuntary manslaughter. Okay, her. Yeah, basically the the premise of it is that mom failed to take even just ordinary care to prevent this from happening. So that trial's going on as we speak. By the way, I got a couple clips from her. She's testifying. Now, uh, in her own defense, uh, 
she's her attorney's asking her, like, did you ever think that your son needed mental health treatment? Did you ever believe that your son needed mental health treatment? No, I mean, there's a couple of times where Ethan had expressed anxiety, but not not to a level where I felt he needed to go see a psychiatrist or a mental health professional right away. No, this isn't a question of did this kid need a shrink. This kid needed a parent that was involved. By the way, mom here, okay, mom is was having an affair. She was her head was not even in the marriage, let alone in, in a family life. She was out gallivanting with her boyfriend, and her 15-year-old kid was starved for attention. He didn't need a shrink. He didn't need her expert opinion because what the, her attorney's trying to say here is, well, listen, did you, you know, how was she supposed to know that her kid had mental health problems? She's a layperson. She's not an expert. Again, there's that thread. There's that word. People love to throw it out. If you're, not, if you're not an expert, you can't figure things out. Uh-uh. There's something called common sense. And we, we need to get back to that. You don't, you don't need a degree or a license to be a parent. You need common sense. And you need to be involved and you need to be invested. If you make kids, they have to be a priority. And then, by the way, if the kids mess up along the way, you you can't you can't make excuses for them. Now the gun apparently in this particular shooting came from the house. It was the husband that bought it. So the wife, of course, having cheated on the guy, now throws him under under the bus in open court. I just didn't feel comfortable being in charge of that. It was more his thing, so I let him handle that. <laughs> yes. Ah, I mean, there was a gun kind of floating around the house and you know, I knew my son, who was anxious, you know, might have access to it, but I just didn't feel comfortable doing anything about that. I don't think the jury's going to like that particular snippet of testimony. Now, one of the big developments today is that this mom here of the school shooter that killed four students and injured seven others said she wishes it was her that had died in the rampage. That was the hardest thing I had to, to stomach is that my child harmed and killed other people. I wish he would have killed us instead. Yeah, well, uh, I, you know, that's a nice thing to say, but it's a day late and a dollar short. Parents need to be held responsible for the actions of their kids. And something happened, and it happened around the time that I was maturing, uh, and you know, call it elementary school, that parents began to take a, I say, a more active role in making excuses for their kids and coming to their kids' defense. So if a kid had a, you know, if, if I had a problem at school, if my teacher said, "Hey, Sam did X, Y, and Z," my parents would. Uh, I'd come home from school after my parents got that phone call, and I'd probably get a spanking. There would be consequences. But in the, the instructive point of this isn't the, the, the consequences I faced. It's that my parents always took the teacher's side. If the teacher made a complaint about me, that was gospel truth. I was wrong. Teacher is right. End of story. Now, what does that teach? Look, I mean, respect for authority, Absolutely. 
uh, and it teaches, it taught me that I needed to work it out inside the system. I need to, you know, please my teachers. I needed to make things work at school. And if I, if I didn't, there would be consequences at home. But around me, and I was very jealous of this. I had friends and classmates whose parents made excuses for them all the time. If the teacher complained, what, what would happen? Parents would call the teacher and demand a meeting with the principal. So you can't talk to my kid this way. You solve it. You're the teacher. And, and I'll tell you, the number one reason for this is, is that around the time that I was in elementary school in the 80s, more and more moms were at work. Now, I was, you know, my, my mother worked. Uh, in fact, my mother was arguably the breadwinner at home. But so I had two parents who both were working. But my mom had the common sense to not allow her guilt over me, you know, not being there for us, you know, 24-7 to affect how she disciplined us. But most parents, most parents did at that time and continue to do. They feel guilty that they're not around. This mom... This mom of this school shooter, guarantee you, she felt guilty that she was screwing around with another guy and not there and not invested in her son. So she let things go. She looked the other way. She made excuses for him. Do you remember when Andy Probst, the retired Bell police chief, August 14th was run over by those two monsters, Jesus Soyala and Jasmine Keys? Uh, they're both getting tried as adults at the time. I think one was 17, one was 16. Now Ayala's 18. So, but, but I remember that, you know, Ayala's mom comes out and says, I just don't know what to say. This is awful. And then Key's mom comes out and, and she says something to the effect of, just wait till my son's side of the story will be told. The truth, the media's contorting this. Basically, my little baby is being maligned. Remember that? Now, what did I tell you at the time when that was, when that was news? That was back in August. What, what did I tell you? I said, this is exactly everything that is wrong with our society right now. Parents, whether they're working all the time or not, have to be parents. They can't feel guilty about whatever it is that they feel is an, is an inadequacy or a shortcoming or, you know, we're, we're, none of us are perfect. I'm not a perfect parent. And neither are you. But the one thing that our kids need is they need authority. And they need us to deliver consequences early on for small transgressions because they grow and grow and build. And, uh, and I tell you, a lot of these shooters here are just latchkey kids whose parents have no control over them whatsoever. They're just on video games 24-7 access to their phones, their the internet, uh, iPads, everything, all the time. And parents are just letting the electronics babysit and raise their kids. And then when things happen, it's excuse time again and again and again. Has to stop, friends. Sam Rajofsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. Back in a moment. Don't go anywhere. And, of course, this hour brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law because you deserve what's right. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. 
Rarely wrong, always right. Sam Marjofsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. Now, of course, uh, you can email me, sam at samandashlaw.com, sam at samandashlaw.com, or call 800-245-2100. Press 1 to leave a voicemail. Two, if you've got a legal question. All right, uh, but 245-2100, 800-245-2100. That is the new phone number, and we will review those voicemails as they come in. And um, something interesting, we'll, we'll play it on air. Excellent. All right. Yeah, this, we're talking about parenting. I, I know. I know. Listen, you, you, those two kids, like kids, they're, they're, you know, late teens. Now one of them is even an adult. They're both getting tried as adults because they were 16 and 17. And, uh, but, you know, it, Jesus Ayala, Jasmine Keys, they are the two that drove over and deliberately struck and killed Andy Probst, retired Bell police chief here in Las Vegas back in August of last year. And, you know, I was sharing how the kind of the tale of two parents, one parent got up there and said, I can't, I'm so sorry, I can't believe my my son did this, and the other parent goes, oh, my son's being blind in the media and being – just wait till his story is told. The truth the, the truth is going to come out. Lady, it's all in the video, and the video is so horrific that even playing the audio of it shocked you listening. Remember that? I'm not going to do it again. That's horrifying. Now, here's 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 a thing about parenting, right? Because right before the break, I'm mentioning that you know, we as parents need to be authority figures, and we can't make excuses for our kids. And that something happened starting in the '80s where parents began to, you know, if there was a, a problem, a misbehavior issue, whatever, that parents began to make excuses for it. Well, he really didn't mean that. Well, he shouldn't be punished. Well, you know, da da da. And thankfully, I was. You know, I had the benefit of having parents that held me accountable for my actions. Took the side of the teacher of the school if there was ever a, you know, a, a complaint about my behavior, which, of course, by the way, there were many complaints. Uh, but but here's, here's the thing. It, trust me when I say this. It is an unusual, if not almost impossible, to imagine situation or circumstance where two kids – who are angels, who are perfectly well-raised, who have manners, who are taught to respect property and life and people and adults, would just spontaneously, out of the blue, get into a car, well, steal a car, right, which is what these you know, asshats did, steal a car, get behind the wheel and video themselves as they are deliberately striking with that car a bicyclist, ultimately killing him. It didn't just happen, right? And the same with the beating death of Jonathan Lewis. Jonathan Lewis was a student, 17 years old, outside of Rancho High School, and, a, and, a, and he, like locusts, these animals, these Again, they're 16, 17, you know, the, now some of them are 18-year-olds. Damian Hernandez is one of them. Gianni Robinson, Dontrell Beaver, Trevion Randolph, all facing second-degree murder charges in that case. But, it, you know, 
again, that's another horrifying video that we saw. That was back in November. And watch this poor kid get beaten to death in front of one of our high schools here in Las Vegas. And it's the same thing. Did they just, were these angels, were these kids that had no behavioral problems? Was everything just hunky-dory? And then one day they decided to brutally beat to a bloody death just out of the blue. So I don't think that it goes, I don't think it operates that way. No, I think that there's a, there's a buildup. You get away with mouthing off to a teacher in class. You know, you get away with, you know, with, 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 you know, pushing your brother at home. You get away with stealing a little bit of, of money from your mom's wallet. You get away with, you get away with, you get away with. And eventually what happens is what? You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you just keep taking more of the yardstick, right? And this is my problem with, with restorative justice. Because parents are failing to enforce behavior at home. Parents are. That is a societal failure that is occurring in the home. And so what is the political solution to this? Well, according to Democrats in Nevada, for example, it's we're going to make it more difficult for teachers and schools to discipline these troublemakers. And so it is virtually impossible if you talk to a Las Vegas area teacher, they will tell you it is virtually impossible to get rid of a misbehaving student because you have to jump through so many hoops. You have to prove that this, yeah, because of course, the right, the political theory behind it is, behind restorative justice is that, you know, these not everybody was given the same opportunity in life. And so uh, equity demands that these uh, people that are, causing problems, uh, be given chances, be rehabilitated, have more talking, more conversation. Did that help Jonathan Lewis Jr. as he was beaten to death? You think any one of the legislators here in Nevada that went up to Carson City and voted for that first restorative justice bill, was that back in 21? gives a rip about Jonathan Lewis Jr. is willing to take any responsibility for his death. Like some of these perpetrators were students in the high school. They should, I just wait for the trial, folks. Trust me. I guarantee you that each one of these thugs, each one of them has a disciplined rap sheet at their school that is a mile long. I guarantee it. And that's the, that's the real shame of it. This is a now a failure in the home turned into a political and societal failure all because of a failed leftist policy. Restorative justice has to end because if parents can't get their kids to behave, then what do we need? We need, we need schools to pick up the slack, and it's not going to get it done by Letting kids getting you know get away with with talking back to their teachers, being disruptive in class, etc. Oh, but of course, yeah, it's gun control. Correct, Robbie. It's gun control. By the way, Biden wants to do something about that. Yes, he's using his executive power 
<laughs> he suddenly found it. Can't use it to close the border, but he's discovered that he can use it <laughs> for guns. Sam Rajofsky, be right back in a moment. Don't go anywhere, folks. The What's Right Show will continue after this. Personal injury law is constantly changing. Uber and Lyft accidents aren't like other cases, but most law firms haven't kept up. Don't trust a new case to a lawyer who's stuck in the past. Call Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234, or visit SamAndAshLaw.com. From the entertainment capital of the world, the What's Right Show is live here on News Talk 840 KXNT. Sam Rajovsky here. Uh, grateful to be here with you today. Happy Friday. So Biden now is reportedly planning to unilaterally mandate background checks for all gun sales using his executive power. Interesting. uh, Watchdog Group has some sources inside the ATF who've come forward who are describing a proposed policy that they're working on And it's not exactly consistent with federal law, to say the least. Under current federal law, background checks are required only for sales by federally licensed dealers. Okay? And the thing is that this has been – the issues around the Second Amendment have been hotly litigated. Yes? Okay, so you've got got case law existing, and then there are rules that are set in place – that are certainly that are within the power of the executive branch and and certainly in various states making their own unilateral rules, but they have to be consistent with federal law and what the courts have decided. The problem is that this is going to be hotly contested and likely get struck down in court. Now, isn't it funny how Biden has no problem using his executive power to go after guns. He has no problem using his executive power to wipe billions of dollars of student debt, right? And and then that gets struck down in court because, of course, that needs to be approved by Congress. And what does Biden do? He turns around when it comes to the student debt thing. He comes back and he says, oh, we're still going to go press forward again with it. And and when he and when the court will strike him down yet again, what's he going to say? He's going to blame it on the Supreme Court. He's going to say the Supreme Court is packed with conservatives, that it's the conservative court that is getting in the way of students having their their debt wiped clean. And um, and 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 you know, and he's counting on the fact that Democratic voters, for the most part, won't understand that they're what he's doing is a. It's not about the student debt. It's about Certain things have to be legislated, like wiping billions of dollars. But enforcing the border, ironically, the one thing that he can do, (laughs) that he's empowered to do, he's not doing. It's fascinating. So, uh, yes, I – the thing is that the, the gun rules have all been legislated in Congress. Congress has set the exact parameters for this. So he's trying to change the law without going through Congress. That's what makes that unconstitutional. Make sense? But the current existing law in Congress is that it is illegal to enter the United States without approval, without permission, without a visa. Okay? That illegal entry is a felony. That 
if you are here in the country, you, there's a procedure by which you're expelled. Okay. And, and, and Biden's the one not enforcing those existing rules. He's picking and choosing folks, whatever, whatever particularly strikes his fancy. So, yes, yeah, this is, it'll quickly get, look, it'll quickly get struck down. I think there's going to be, Robbie, to be honest, a fair amount of these type of executive actions that are, that are, of course, uh, unconstitutional, but that he's going, Biden's going to this year leading up to the election, he's going to, He's going to do the executive orders anyway. His his legal teams told him you don't have a snowball's chance in hell of 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 getting this through the Supreme Court. But what they'll tell him is it's still a great campaign issue. You go there, you push you push something that is, you know, popular with your base. You get you know, you get it struck down in the Supreme Court. Your ba- the base hates the Supreme Court because hashtag conservatives, and then you're able to I frankly, get the boost not only from picking a fight with the Supreme Court and getting beaten down by the conservative Supreme Court, Trump Supreme Court, etc., but you also can show to people, well, I tried. I tried. Remember, this administration fascinates me by their complete lack of, of actually like effectively governing. We talked about this earlier this week because – in every clip about Iran, in every clip about the Houthis and about terror in the Middle East and, and, and frankly, even the southern border, every single administration official, Biden, less extent because he's mumbling and jumbling, but, well, the, yeah, the Kirby and, and um, the vice president herself and, and, then, and then Karine Jean-Pierre, they always say that they are doing process things. They're focused on the – we are going through the process. We are listening. We are, we are going through meetings. No, but this is, this is important. They always talk about procedural things that they are doing. They're never saying we are doing X because it's just performative. It's just – this is this – is, this administration reminds me of, of like a um, – a college group project. Well, hear me out on this. You, you know, college group projects are terrible. They're, they're, they're objectively awful because the people in the, in the project and, you know, that are, I mean, half of them aren't doing anything, which, yeah, it's kind of like the Biden administration. Half of them aren't doing anything. And the half that are, you're just spinning stuff around and putting words up there on the PowerPoint and on the paper it doesn't matter what you really write. You just have to you have to just show that you're doing something because you're getting graded for the work that you're doing and contributing and 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 you know checking the boxes. And I'm you know I I don't even think that these people realize they're doing it. And, and Antony Blinken, who is literally the Secretary of State responsible now for the world falling apart, using the same language, right? Well, we are. Well, we are we are monitoring the situation closely. Well, we are meeting with stakeholders. Well, we are you know we are studying this problem. It's, the, the, these are people who don't accomplish anything, and that's what we're going to get a lot of this year. I'm just warning you: 2024 will be highly performative for Biden because he's he's not going to. 
the focus is not on governing. The, the focus is on winning re-election. That is everything that Team Biden wakes up in the morning focused on. It is not the country. It is not the the world that is unraveling. It's not. It's not anything other than winning re-election. And so it's in that context when I see a story like this proposed, you know, constitutional uh, overstep, <laughs> putting it mildly, you know, increasing uh, unilaterally increasing background checks, and you got these whistleblowers coming forward and saying, "Yeah, they're 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 talking about doing this, and we're holding meetings, and we're we're actually going to do it," and all the constitutional law lawyers are looking at it, going, "I don't think you can do that." I, the the lens through which to see these stories is go it's performance it's it's uh it's campaigning he knows he's going to get struck down in the courts and and that is a going to be a theme of his give me another 4 years so i can put more liberals on the court so i can you know it's it's an extra you know it's an extra uh, yeah it's an extra weapon in his arsenal of of reasons for why he deserves to be reelected Plain and simple. Now it's, yeah, it's, it's maddening. All right, quick break, folks. Uh, Sam Rajovsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. You're listening to The What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law. In a crash, call Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234, because you deserve what's right. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. Nevada's favorite recovering ex-Californian, Sam Rajofsky here behind the What's Right Show microphone. Sam at samandashlaw is my email. Feel free to... Reach me with comments, concerns, and the like. Also can always now, uh, starting this week, leave a voicemail. That's right, 800-245-2100. Option one, press one, leave me a voicemail. My team will get it, and um, uh, if it's a pithy comment, uh, concern, etc., we will play it on air. Keep the language clean so we don't uh, don't have to beep anything out. Now, look um, – Biden loves to pick and choose this uh, executive authority question. You know, as he's getting ready to, you know, potentially even strike Iran, all the way back during uh, George W. Bush's term, Biden threatened Bush with impeachment over military action without congressional approval. Listen to this. If he acted without congressional authority in Iran, I think the best deterrent is for the president to know, even at the end of his term, we would move and move to follow through with that so his legacy would be marred for all time if he acted in what was clearly, clearly an impeachable offense. Well, okay, there it is. Words from the past coming to haunt President Joseph Biden. Now, then, you know, remember also that when he was proposing to use his executive power, which for some reason he can't use when it comes to sealing the border, <laughs> Nancy Pelosi herself had to smack Biden down and tell him that he was, well, he was overstepping. Remember this, Jim? People think that the president of the United States has the power 
for debt forgiveness. He does not. He can postpone. He can delay. But he does not have that power. That would that has to be an act of Congress. Well, yeah, that's how that works because it's an appropriation. Anyway, <laughs> but the existing law vis-a-vis the border is established and set by Congress, and now the executive branch is actually not executing on that law. There it is. By the way, where is this? Oh, there's an opinion piece in the Washington Post today. Mark Thiessen. Republicans have no excuse for a bad border deal. Interesting stuff. Although the specifics of the border agreement being negotiated by Senate Republicans and the Biden administration have not yet been released, this much is certain there's no excuse for a weak deal. The border crisis could cost Democrats this year's election. Put Donald Trump back in the White House, and everyone knows it. That's, that's what really scares people. Okay. And explains why so many GOP skeptics are unwilling to go along with major concessions. Every year of his presidency, and we know this, folks, we know this is so true, Biden has broken the record for most encounters at the southern border. That's a nice way of putting it, most encounters. By the way, for every known encounter that is counted, that that occurs and that is recorded, how many people you think slip by? Uh, What do you think? It's one in four that get encountered? One in ten? One in a hundred? Yeah, Rob. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, the right. I mean, the the higher the number of the producer, obviously, the higher number of encounters that occurs, the more likely it is that there are that there's an kind of an exponential growth of of actual crossings because the border patrols caught up. And, you know, detaining that one person while, you know, 20 over, you know, on the other side of the hill are passing by. Exactly right. But in 21, there were 1.73 million encounters. Uh, 2002, 2.37. 23, 2.47. And then there's at least 1.7 million known gotaways who have been completely evaded apprehension. This, those are just the known numbers. And, you know, the problem with the bill that the Dems are trying to, you know, shove down Republicans' throats and the House is saying no way is that it normalizes a certain number of significant number, about two million illegal uh, crossings a year. And Republicans are saying, no, we're not going to do it. Now, in this piece in the Washington Post opinion piece, it cites that Harvard CAPS Harris poll that I've been talking about extensively um it's the number one immigration is now the number one issue for voters it's ahead of inflation it's ahead of jobs it's ahead of crime okay i mean it's 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 even bigger than health care and the here here's the line in the story i wanted to share with you so quote the reason is like the reason for this is that Republican governors such as Greg Abbott in Texas have nationalized the problem by sending migrants who cross the border illegally. (laughs) And they've sent them where? To Democrat-led cities like Chicago and New York. 
Once migrants started to show up in, in the cities, once budgets started to get stretched, once urban mayors raised alarm flags, this became an issue of concern to the national public. Well, th- this is exactly right. This is why I tell you that Greg Abbott, is, he's the, he is the man of the year. And he's such an unassuming guy, you, for, you kind of forget he's there because he's not he, – he, he's not – he hasn't been running for president, right? So he's not really garnering a lot of national media attention except for the occasional hate that he gets from uh, Biden and uh, the mainstream media. But, but Abbott's, Abbott's done a bang-up job, and ditto to DeSantis in Florida because he's done the same thing, although you know, arguably Abbott has far, far met more, uh, more migrants to uh, – to throw up to the uh, Chicago's and New York's of the world. Democrats, the story says, in the Washington Post is an opinion piece in the Washington Post. Democrats are also completely out of step with the American people on illegal immigration. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Tell us something we don't know. (laughs) 67% of all voters say they want to deport those who are here illegally. (laughs) 58% want to use the military to stop illegal immigration, and 54% want to build a border wall. So when you've got the – that's what – this is my point. Remember, Robbie, do we have that clip of the congressman, Democratic congressman, telling us what would happen in the next Trump presidency with the wall, with the border, what Trump's border policy would be? You know what? He's out there. Well, we're not going to play. It. We don't. We don't need to play. It. We don't. Don't look for it. But basically, he's up there. He's holding a press conference. Like this is what would happen. This is what would happen in in uh, if Trump gets reelected. Trump has talked about deploying alligators to the border. He's talked about shooting migrants who are trying to in the legs who are trying to cross the border. And as he's giving what he thinks is this. This absolutely gotcha thing where he's you know people are going to be so disgusted hearing it. I'm telling you that nobody will admit it, but I would guess a majority of Americans go, well, you know what? It, 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 it sure beats having the problem that we have now. So nobody's going to advocate for any of that. And, of course, he was taking Trump's, you know, Trump's joking and saying things that are intended to be, uh, intended to be you know, kind of crazy, but he's taking it as gospel truth and – but I'm just saying Trump could turn it into an ad because, again, 54% want to build a wall. 58% want the military to stop illegal immigration. A New York Times – I'll tell you how bad it is. A New York Times poll said that voters trust Trump over Biden to do a better job on immigration. And the difference between those who do and those who don't, a staggering 12 percentage points. So why would Republicans now cave and give Biden essentially a free pass to allow you know record number of illegals to come into the country? I don't know. There's no reason to. Let Biden burn on this. We have to win, though. The, the clear messaging war is that Biden is not using the budget that he has to enforce the laws that are already on the books. Period. End of story. And that Republicans have quite recently, authorized further expenditures for the border, even over some, some concerns in, in, the, in the overall spending bill. 
And when they did that, by the way, the left, the media, everybody, Biden lied and lied and lied about that bill and claimed that the GOP cut, that Congress cut the number of agents they were providing. So to continue, according to the Washington Post opinion piece here, all these facts undermine the chances of a weak border deal passing Congress. Republicans have little incentive to let Biden off the hook for his failed border policies a few months before voters go to polls to render judgment on his leadership. Yeah, bingo. And for three years, this is great. For three years, Biden has demonized them, meaning us, racist Republicans who just want the border closed, has demonized them on immigration while presiding over an unprecedented border debacle. Why provide him with last-minute cover? There it is. All right, quick break here, top of the hour. Lots to go over. Oh, the stores, Walgreens is closing everywhere, basically, because of crime. And it's Walgreens' fault, according to the Democrats. Sam Marjofsky, News Talk 840, The What's Right Show will continue after this. Hi, it's Ash from Sam and Ash Injury Law. You need a lawyer you can trust. So give us a call at 702-820-1234 or go to SamAndAshLaw.com. No pressure, just answers, because you deserve what's right. Greetings, friends. Sam Urchofsky here. You're listening to The What's Right Show live from the entertainment capital of the world, beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada, All right, the story of these Walgreens, CVSs closing across the country, nothing new there. Shoplifting is a major problem across the country, particularly in blue cities that tolerate it, that release offenders from jail, write tickets for misdemeanor theft, basically make it impossible to hold perpetrators of these crimes accountable. Now, uh, in California, well, this is funny. It's There's a news story right now. There's some leaked audio from, from Gavin Newsom holding a Zoom conference with a bunch of his lackeys. And he's he's sharing an anecdotal story about how he went to a store to buy some stuff, and he literally sees a shoplifter walking out the door. Now, Gavin Newsom, you know he who this person is. He's a California Democrat uh, governor who's now – what is he, sur- survived a um, impeachment effort or a, a recall, has been reelected, uh, has, um, and has aspirations, of course, to become president of the United States. He's very, very prickly about being called soft on crime. And that prickliness, that prickliness came out in the Zoom call as he's sharing the story about watching some shoplifter walk out the front door of the of, of a business that he was about to patronize and what the clerk said to him. Listen very closely. Checking out, the woman says, oh, he's just walking out. He didn't pay for that. I said, well, why are you stopping him? She goes, oh, the governor. I swear to God, true story. I'm a mom's great. The governor lowered the threshold. There's no, there's no, there's no accountability. There's no, I said that's just not true. And she, I, she got, I said we have the tenth toughest, nine hundred fifty dollars, the tenth toughest in America. She doesn't even know what I was talking about. By the way, it's the tenth toughest in America. Look it up. No one gives a damn about right. that. And I said it's just not true. There's still stop. I said well we don't stop them because of the governor. 
And then she goes, she looks at me twice and then she freaks out. She calls everyone over, wants to take photos. I'm like, no, I'm not taking a photo. We're having a conversation, where's your manager? How are you blaming the governor? And it was, you know, $380 later. And I was like, why am I spending $380? Everyone can walk the hell right out. Wow. I, we could call him Governor Karen. <laughs> I wanted, I demand to speak to your manager. Can you imagine? This guy's an elected official in the state. Do you imagine Lombardo running it somewhere? Yeah, and, and, and somebody goes, yeah, it's a problem because of the governor. Damn governor. <laughs> I know Lombardo. Lombardo would laugh it off. This thin-skinned, white-toothed prima donna, Gavin Newsom, goes, where's your manager? But that's not really what I want to talk about because the, the, the woman made – look, who, if this story is true, it's not exactly right, right? There's There was a prop proposition that passed. Voters passed it. It wasn't a, um executive order by the governor lowering – the or raising, I would say, the threshold of a misdemeanor to $950. So basically, what does that mean? In California, I don't care that it's the 10th toughest. Who gives a rat's rear end? 950 bucks in California, you can walk out, you can steal something, it's a misdemeanor, you're going to get a ticket, you're going to be cited, released, out, out the door, and you can go and do it again the next day. All right? So you can do it later that day. You steal in the morning, steal at lunch, and steal in the afternoon. No problem. As long as it's under $950. But here's really what she's getting at. See, there was this bill last year called SB 553. And SB 553, and Governor Newsom signed it. And it's a violence, workplace violence prevention bill. And this bill required every employer to establish, to implement, maintain a safe, effective injury prevention program. The program has to be written. It has to provide for the do's and don'ts, instruction manuals to employees. It's very onerous. So I'll tell you how – I'll tell you the effect of this law on businesses in California. Knowing, I mean I have friends in California. I used to live in California. I can tell you this. Um, the, 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 the net net result of this bill that Newsom passed – is that no business wants to put into writing a policy requiring or or uh, passively allowing employees to stop shoplifters because that that would put the employee in a harm's way and the liability is then shifted tenfold onto the business owner so this is why you are hearing that companies in California or companies that are larger and, and do business in a number of these blue jurisdictions have policies in place that literally prevent their workers from interfering with thefts because they don't want the liability. Now, there was, yes, originally in this particular bill, and that's why some of you might remember it, there was a section in the original proposed language, a section that prevented, outright prevented, workers from interfering or or stopping misdemeanor thefts that specific paragraph was removed but I, i'm telling you in practice the the bill functionally does that right because no employer is going to put in writing a policy that 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 allows for 
or encourages or accepts even an employee, uh, you know, r- risking, you know, r- risking harm. And all the bad guys know it. And so, yeah, so, here, you know, well, if Gavin Newsom gave a rip about crime, and this is why he's so profoundly disingenuous in this clip, if he gave a rip about crime, this, the language of this bill would have been written in reverse. It would have immunized employers in matters where where harm comes to an employee from a shoplifter. It would have shifted the burden of that harm off the employer onto the perpetrator. You know, Gavin Newsom could get with the legislature and, 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 and increase penalties, right? They could increase, okay, it's a misdemeanor, but we're gonna, it's, we're gonna mandate, we're gonna, we're gonna raise the penalties. They don't do any of that. So instead he goes, I demand to speak to your manager. How dare you speak to me this way to this poor clerk who, you know, doesn't know exactly why she's, you know, why Gavin Newsom's responsible, but he is. And he signed this particular bill into law. So, you know, the minute your pen touches the paper, Governor, uh, it's your problem. So, yes. well, right. And, and that's why so many of these stores are just shutting their doors and particularly stores that have small items, right, lower cost items. They can't afford to stay in business. So you've got you've got you've got Walgreens, right? It's a big story. It's and it's big today, yesterday, because they announced a bunch of store closures. And yeah, this Boston, right? Boston is suffering from this. In Mattapan, in Hyde Park, Roxbury, since late twenty two, uh twenty twenty two, a bunch of stores were closing. And you know, people are you know, and and by the way, the state of of um, the the state of uh, uh, Massachusetts uh, lawyers for the attorney general there uh, have um, are are trying to get the stores to stay there, and they're saying, well, you you got to you got you got to take care of the crime problem. So this is why Ayanna Presley, Democrat Massachusetts, basically went out there on the House floor. And um, and claimed that this was all the fault of Walgreens. All of this, this is all Walgreens' fault. This week, House floor, Ayanna Presley. This is a masterpiece. Mr. Speaker, Walgreens is planning to close yet another pharmacy in the Massachusetts 7th, this time on Warren Street in Roxbury, a community that is 85% black and Latino. This closure is a part of a larger trend of abandoning low-income communities like the previous closures in Mattapan and Hyde Park, both in the Massachusetts 7th. When a Walgreens leaves a neighborhood, they disrupt the entire community and they take them and they take with them baby formula, diapers, asthma inhalers life-saving medications, and of course, jobs. These closures are not arbitrary and they are not innocent. They are life-threatening acts of racial and economic discrimination. That is why I joined with Senator Markey and Warren to demand answers from Walgreens CEO. Why was there no community input, no adequate notice to customers, and no transition resources to prevent gaps in health care? Shame on you, Walgreens. <laughs> it's Walgreens' fault they're getting robbed blind. Classic Marxist thinking. This is uh, the, the company ought to just give their stuff away, of course. 
They are a major conglomerate. Yeah, this is... <laughs> even Listen, even the story in The Hill says that. Representative Ayanna Pressley, Democrat Massachusetts, has accused pharmaceutical conglomerate Walgreens of, quote, divesting from black and brown communities. I'll tell you, I think the black and brown communities have been divesting Walgreens of their shelf stock. <laughs> I think the divesting has been going the other direction, to be perfectly blunt. Where was Ayanna Presley? Where were the politicians to prevent these stores getting robbed? And I love that they just think that these stores should absolve, should, should absorb these losses. Absolutely astonishing. Quick break, folks. Be right back. Sam Rajovsky, Newstalk 840 KXNT. You're listening to The Woods Right Show. Governor Gavin Newsom, Governor Karen from here on out. Don't go anywhere. Be right back. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. Robbie, when I look at the story about Ayanna Presley, Democrat Massachusetts House member complaining that Walgreens is closing stores in black and brown communities because they're racist. You know what I'm what I you know what I remember? I remember the NAACP letter written out there uh, up in Oakland. That's what I think of. Sam Rajovsky, News Talk 840, KXNT. Welcome back, folks. Uh, glad to have you with us here on the What's Right Show. Yes, that was the big story. In fact, I would say that was one of those incredible moments that I reflected on at the end of 23, that the NAACP in a major metropolitan city riddled with crime would come forward and say, listen, We've got to get a grip here. We need crime enforcement. We need more police. We need to put criminals in jail because the victims of this crime are predominantly America's poorest people. Everything that was in that letter, as I don't have it in front of me, as I recall, was, was, was just the gospel truth. And it was astonishing to me to see an organization like the NAACP actually put, you know, ink to paper and write it. It was a, yeah, it was an open letter to the mayor and to the politicians there in Oakland who have been running the city into the ground. Presley's argument is uh, a disingenuous, obviously, but it is profoundly out of step even with her fellow Democrats. Right, because NAACP is not necessarily a conservative right-wing organization. All right, I don't want to alarm anybody, but that's that's the that's the that's a fact. So, so when they when they say right when they say we've got a problem and uh, and crimes when they say abolish the police question mark uh oh we need more cops on the street. Keep your social workers. Keep your, you know, volunteers, you know, walking around with clipboards. We, we don't need that. We need cops. We need guns. We need enforcement. We need bad guys in jail. And the fact of the matter is, right, Oakland made it in the news a couple weeks ago because 
I think it's the first in and out store to close anywhere uh, for years. I mean, it was a, the store was grossing money. They're making money. They're selling burgers. But the crime was so out of control that it became a liability for in and out the company. And so they decided to just pack up and leave. It is an example of where the policies, right, the policies of these crazed leftists that have poisoned this country are coming, uh, the effects of which are coming, you know, to, to, to fruition and are, yeah, and, 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 are, and are causing real pain. Because I'm, I'm with Ayanna Presley, at least to the extent that I think having a pharmacy in your neighborhood, neighborhood is an important thing. I think having, you know, other stores in your neighborhood is important. You know, I, I, well, where was it, Robbie, where the grocery store closed and they held a big rally over the grocery store? And then, and then, by the way, you know what they want to do is when the private store closes, what they then want to do, and they're doing this in some areas, they're doing it in Chicago. They then have this brilliant idea that they're going to create state run stores. So they go full socialist. They go full commie. They they make a state-run store. The business then is what? Is operated by by the county, by the city, by the state. They're state employees. Now it's, you know, you the managers are all picked by the local councilman. It's a place you can reward your political uh, you know, allies with with cush jobs. And does the store ever have what it needs on the shelf? Does it allow shoplifting? Of course it allows shoplifting. Come on in. Come steal it. You can steal from, from here. It's it's everybody's. And then the person working there, do they care if anything's on the shelf? Do they care if there's good customer service? Do they give a rip? No, they have the job because they kissed political A money money. They kissed somebody's rear end somewhere and you know, and have the job because they're getting a little scratch back for whatever good they did for that person. And it builds the political power of the people that control these resources. This, you'd almost think, right? You'd almost think that they're doing all of this on purpose. That the ultimate goal is to drive out private businesses. And then Ayanna Presley gets up there and says, there's no pharmacies for black and brown communities. Right? We know why, but there's no. So we need to, we need the government to come in and provide these stores. I mean, I'm not a conspiracy guy, but I, you know, kind of feels like that's what's going to be happening. Pretty wild stuff. Remember, I shared with you uh, September, end of end of last year, September. I went to, I was in uh, San Francisco. I hadn't been in a while. I had to go there to take care of some stuff, so I, I went with the family. We were all there. We were, um, you know, in in downtown in in uh, you know around union square just outside of union square in nice neighborhoods right and it's called the financial district it used to be thriving and bustling i mean every third store uh storefront was shuttered there were for lease signs everywhere and it's it's just devastating and in, in, remember, by the way, there were – if you've ever traveled to San Francisco or go, gone to some of these cities, I mean, speaking of Walgreens, there used to be a Walgreens, like a laughable. There's a Walgreens or a CVS on every block, 
and it's for the office workers, it's for the you know the, the tourists, and and obviously it's kind of a bodega type store for for locals. Gone, all of that. But places like some of these areas in Boston are even worse. And then insult to injury, Robbie, insult to injury. Guess what they do? Then they welcome the illegal immigrants to come in and take over. Here is a boss. This went viral this week. Yesterday posted on Libs of TikTok, a Boston man is yelling at police for kicking him out of a rec center that was just turned into a migrant housing unit. Listen to him. How we've bleeped out his language because he's from Boston and he's mad. Y'all give a fuck about the motherfuckers that was born and fucking raised here. Y'all raised the fucking rich so fucking high. Can't afford to live here. But y'all gonna bring some other motherfuckers here? That doesn't fucking add up. It doesn't make no fucking sense. None. None. He's getting arrested. A local resident to make room, right? Make room for migrants coming into the city. And all Ayanna Presley can do is complain about how Walgreens, the pharmaceutical conglomerate, hates brown people. Democrats are so incredibly out of touch, it's unbelievable. Sam Marjofsky, back in a moment. Don't go anywhere. The What's Right Show will continue in a moment. Black History Month. Speaking of which, a name was trending on Twitter X last night. Producer Robbie was panicked. Tell you all about it when we return. Don't go anywhere. The What's Right Show will be back in just a few minutes. Hi, it's Ash from Sam and Ash Injury Law. You need a lawyer you can trust. So give us a call at 702-820-1234 or go to SamandAshLaw.com. No pressure, just answers, because you deserve what's right. Sam Rajovsky here, Nevada's favorite recovering ex-Californian, live and local here in beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada. So, Nikki Haley vows to stay in the race. This is the word. I get it. I'll explain in a moment. just want to touch on this very fast. She went, of course, on CNN again to talk to Jake Tapper uh, and declared that she's here to stay. I'm not going anywhere, Jake. I'm going to continue to go all the way through South Carolina. Then we're going to go on to Super Tuesday, and we're going to keep on going forward. So you're committed to staying through, staying in the race through Super Tuesday no matter what happens in South Carolina? We're moving. I mean, what I'll tell you in South Carolina is we're going to close that gap. We started with 2% in Iowa. We ended with 20%. We went to New Hampshire. We got 43%. In South Carolina, we want to get even more competitive than that. And then we'll go into Michigan, and we'll go into Super Tuesday. We have a country to save. I'm not going anywhere because I don't want my kids to live like this. I'm going to stay in this for the long haul because I think it's important, and I know that we need to get this done. Um, okay. Can I translate this for you? Nikki Haley has just been given all of the money that was previously going to our friend from Florida. Yep, 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 Ron DeSantis. Uh, all that money and then some Democrat money to spoil it for Trump. Nikki Haley now is a vehicle for just destroying Trump and, and burning Trump's money and, and creating problems for him in the primary. I hope as conservatives we never forget this, okay? 
because DeSantis stepped out at the right moment. Uh, by the way, did you see how much money he burned through? What was it, $150 million? He literally evaporated $150 plus million. Poof, into thin air. And what did he get for it? He came in second in one primary contest. What's my point? Well, what's my point? My point is that there were enough donors willing to pay him $150 plus million just to screw with Trump. That was my point with it, all right? Because the money that was going, the, the DeSantis money, the big DeSantis money, I'm not talking about people that gave him you know 20 bucks here and there, but the real big DeSantis dollars, the millions of dollars that went to those PACs came from Republicans and even some Democrats who didn't want Trump in the race. It was all the never Trumpers and it, it was the it's the establishment people and and those are the people that got into his ear and ultimately uh, confirming yet again that money doesn't move the needle. It can help, but you've you know yeah you, you got to be a candidate that has you know that that is is authentic and authenticity now is 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 absolutely king more than it ever has been so haley is she authentic uh no i mean no because and haley by the way now with all this woman stuff and all this minority stuff and i grew up in in a rural town my dad wore a turban stuff uh i don't want to hear it anymore i am so sick of it but it's all these buzzwords that her big dollar donors the people that swarmed onto DeSantis, gave him millions, and destroyed him from within, are now shifting to Haley. There it is, right? And I mean, Trump is going to, I think, trounce Haley in, um, in South Carolina. I don't, I don't think that's going to go over real super great. Um, right, so by the way, February 8th, Nevada... Primary, 26 delegates, February 8th, also Virgin Islands. Big whopping four delegates out there. 16th, uh, Michigan, 16 delegates. And then February 24th, South Carolina, 50 delegates. And, uh, you know, okay, so right, I think to date, Trump is at 32 delegates. Haley's at 13. <sighs> yeah, it's okay. She's, she's not going to get there. And she's not doing anything to win over the Republican Party. She's frankly running a uh, what could be almost a a vanilla general election campaign. But I, I every one of these Jake Tapper types that is fawning over her now, I am convinced, convinced, folks, that the minute or were she right, were she to clinch the nomination, you know, Trump evaporates. Some thing happens where somehow she ends up the nominee. A minute that that happens, all of these people would, would would turn on her in a heartbeat. They don't want her in office. They'll all line up behind Biden or whoever the Democrat is. It's how this stuff works. She's just a useful idiot right now for them to be able to use as a Trump foil. So that's that's that. So this morning, um, uh, last night, uh, Robbie got a bit of a scare because, of course, it's Black History Month. You know my position, but I'm not. I don't care about Black History Month at all because we shouldn't have a Black History Month. We shouldn't have – we're Americans. 
We should have an American History Month where all of our histories come together and we talk. I'm, I'm all for that. I'm all for American history. I don't think there should be a white history month. I don't think there should be a black history month. I don't think just we should be separated out in our races, and I don't think what I'm saying here is particularly controversial. So that's what it is. Okay, so last night, Thomas Sowell, who is 93, who is one of the great living intellectuals of our time, is the only black leader who is trending on Twitter for Black History Month. Okay? And it was all people posting some of his greatest quotes. I'm going to share a few of them here with you right now. It's all Thomas Sowell. If you have always believed that everyone should play by the same rules, be judged by the same standards, that would have gotten you labeled a radical 60 years ago, a liberal 30 years ago, and a racist today. It's a great quote. Think about that, right? Everyone should play by the same rules. 60 years you would have been a ra- ago, you'd have been a radical, and then all the way till now, you'd be a racist. Because, of course, we need equity. We need different set of standards. We need help. We need racial, excuse me, restorative justice, for example. Some people need extra help. They need to be treated differently. We need DEI. We need to promote people. We need to help them. We need to be very aware of what their race is. Another quote by Thomas Sowell. Racism does not have a good track record. It's been tried out for a long time, and you'd think by now we'd want to put an end to it instead of putting it under new management. (laughs) Absolutely true. And finally, quote, the more I study the history of intellectuals, the more they seem like a wrecking crew dismantling civilization bit by bit, replacing what works with what sounds good. So there it is. Thomas Sowell, 93 years old, still speaking the truth and still as um, as prescient and as aware of his time as ever. And, and you know, it's always as a great mind is able to bring things into perfect context, take history and and connect it to what's currently going on. And um, yeah, Robbie's, yeah. Yeah, Social Justice Fallacies. That's his most recent book. I haven't read that one yet, Robbie, I, I, and I, but I need to because, yeah, Social Justice Fallacies. Um, yeah, in his 90s. Yeah, you're right. No, I get it. And by the way, this is why, Robbie, I don't like the conversation about age with Biden. It's not his damn age. It's the fact that he's he's actually wasn't a very bright guy thirty years ago, and now he's he's obviously addled and has has you know has cognitive issues. Thomas Sowell at ninety three uh, could run circles around Biden at forty five. Okay, that's the fact. All right, quick uh, break here. Sam Rajovsky, News Talk eight forty. You're listening to the What's Right Show. Sam at samandashlaw.com is my email. Be right back, folks. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. Occasionally something great happens on CNN, Robbie. You know, you'll, you'll just be, you'll be watching it, you know, and, and for me, I get agitated. So I'm watching CNN 
and then and then a little pearl will drop, almost as if a gift from the heavens. Sam Marjofsky here, News Talk 840. You're listening to the What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law. In a crash, call Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234, because you deserve what's right. All right, so John Miller talking with uh, Erica Hill on CNN and law enforcement intelligence analyst is what Miller is and talking about crime in New York, okay? They're trying to figure out why these migrant gangs that are coming to New York and stealing like crazy people are doing it in New York and then and then spending their money in, wait for it, Florida. Listen to this brilliant exchange. Uh, this particular crew operated on mopeds and scooters. They were doing organized retail theft. They were doing snatches on the street, iPhones, iPads, clothing, so on and so forth. Um, one of them that they are still seeking has 10 charges on one day because he's part of a pattern that's been going on. And I'm looking at the dates that their arrest started, which is probably close to when they got here. They've only been here a couple of months. So what the detectives are telling me is they have crews here that operate in New York do all their stealing, then go to Florida to spend the money and then come back. And I'm like, well, why don't they just stay and steal in Florida? And they said, because there you go to jail. Oh. 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 (laughs) You should have seen their faces. Erica's like, oh. It turns out that jail is a deterrent. You know, I don't want to shock anybody here. (laughs) But, But, yeah, it is. We have to get back to putting criminals in jail. And I don't care what color they are. I don't care what background they are. I don't care how disadvantaged they are or, or were. I don't care about anything other than the crime. You do the crime, you do the time. Yeah, I know there's an argument. I have a friend here in town who was a former judge. He's a bleeding heart guy, good guy, but hopelessly left wing on this and compassionate and uh, and explain well you know Sam the you know it's the white rich people like you that if you are to get into trouble you hire the best lawyer and you're going to get more favorable terms okay i i actually don't disagree with that argument i i think that's a factually accurate statement can i say something somewhat controversial back um, so what? Right, I mean, life isn't fair. But what I can tell you is a fact is that the solution, or at least the the attempted solution to that, you know, that injustice, if you will, has been to legalize crime, functionally legalize crime. These DAs that come in with that mindset going, we're tired of, Rich white people walking out of jail, paying their bail, being able to be home with their families at night after committing, you know, white collar offenses. So we're going to do the same for the poor people. Quote unquote, right? For the disadvantaged, quote unquote. For the people that come in who are being charged of, you know, breaking and entering, retail theft. We're going to just, we're going to release them. No cash bail. 10 offenses – you heard the clip here on CNN, 10 offenses in one day? What, what, what do you think that was? 
Went out and stole one little thing, came back, stole another thing, got a ticket, stole another thing, got arrested, got released, sent a, stole another thing. I mean, it, you know, being taken out of circulation, and if you're an immigrant, arrested, jailed, sentenced, ser- time served, deported, that should be the conveyor belt. It's not that – I don't know how much of it's going on here in, in, in Las Vegas, um, but I know in, in, in California the, the – the organized burglars that the gangs, those are all they're all South uh, Central American people that are coming through. Now, all my friends in law enforcement are telling me that it's wild. Uh, Chile, by the way, the country in South America, lots of Chilean gangs. Uh, they're coming here. They 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 hit, you know, a series of houses. One of them gets arrested. They get released. Boom. They're out. They're on a plane back to Back to Chile, it's a big organized thing. There's criminal syndicates that 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 recruit these people in those respective countries. It's easy to send them here. It's easy to get them here, and it's easy to get them out. It's just a revolving door. So I don't want to sound heartless, but my answer to the uh, to the you know to all the bleeding hearts out there that say, well, you know, just poor people, you know, they they you know when 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 you're tough on crime, a poor people they end up getting screwed more by the system. Right now, our country is being dismantled by out-of-control criminals. So I'm ready to bring back work gangs. You know, you, you, you go in and you, yeah, no, I'm serious. If I become governor of Nevada, I, I'll tell you what, I, I would love, yes, I would I, not just be in jail. I'd love to go out there and work, do some tough work. Go Go to a rock quarry. Make it, make it, make, uh, be so unappealing to criminals to be sentenced for theft in Nevada that they will do it anywhere but here. Go steal in California, go steal in Arizona, go steal in Oregon, go steal wherever you want. Just don't do it here in Nevada. You know what a glorious thing it would be? What You know, if... I mean, if if you break into somebody's house, if it was just a mandatory, right off the bat, mandatory 25 years in prison, bam. Pretty much for the average person, most of the rest of their functional life, they're in prison. Because I, I don't know if you've ever had somebody break into your home. It is a, a deeply, deeply violating thing. Three strikes throughout. One felony. Okay, two felonies. Three felonies. Adios, you're done. You're in prison for the rest of your life. What's that, Robbie? Oh, yeah, well, the DOI, this, yeah, exactly. So the Dems vote against a bill to deport illegal immigrants, right? So in the House of Representatives, right, 150 Democrats voted against a bill to deport illegal immigrants that are convicted of DUI. So the Dems that are out there screaming about wanting, you know, gun safety, gun violence, all this. But I'm going to tell you right now, way, way more people die of traffic DUI accidents than, than of gun deaths. OK, when, especially when you're looking not at suicides, but you're looking at actual like gun perpetrated deaths, mass shootings, etc. Unbelievable. 72% of House Democrats voted against deporting illegal immigrants who were convicted of DUI. That included Adam Schiff, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, Jamie Raskin, and our friend Ayanna Presley, 
Also some of her gang, right? Rashida Tlaib, Ilhan Omar, Corey Bush, Jamal Bowman. Yes. Well, he was, at least he didn't pull the fire alarm, okay? Even, even the House Minority Leader, Hakeem Jeffries, who could become Speaker of the House if Republicans lose a couple more seats. The United States, someone dies in a crash with an impaired driver every 45 minutes. Unbelievable. And then you've got the same crew of people. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the votes just, yeah. Okay, so we're, <laughs> there was a bill to ban Hamas terrorists from the U.S. And, and Rashida Tlaib and Cory Bush voted no on it. <laughs> you know what? Well, you, this is, this is, Ilhan Omar is essentially a functionary of the Somali government. So am I not surprised about any of this at this point and how anyone can vote for this new Democratic Party? I mean, I, I know my Democrat friends look at this and go, this is, these people are insane. We've lost our collective minds on this. Absolutely astounding. Well, friends, listen, by the way, uh, I'll tell you, be safe out there. I know that this the, the rain today, it's been a little bit better, but uh, more rain coming next week. There, the roads are going to be atrocious. People are driving like crazy. So if anything happens, gosh forbid, uh, before you start calling the insurance company and getting everything figured out, get some legal advice. Please talk to a lawyer. Call Sam and Ash Injury Law, 702 820 one, two, three, four, no pressure, no hassle, friendly, caring, compassionate, and very competent service. Um, and get, get some answers. Know what you need to do to protect yourself and your loved ones. 702-820-1234. Offices in Nevada and California standing by to help. All right. Have a great weekend, guys. It's, um, yeah, I tell you, be, be good out there. Have, and take some time with your kids, please. Take some time with them. You know, let's be good parents and, and invest in our kids. And don't ever feel – even if you're busy, I get it. If both parents are working, you're busy, don't feel – don't let the guilt of that make you a permissive parent. That's one takeaway from today's program, please. Sam Rajofsky, News Talk 840, KXNT, The What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law. We'll be back next week. 